You are listening to episode 259 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we stare on in wonder in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So in case you didn't get the hint, and we talked about it on last week's episode as well, we are playing some Mario Wonder today, so we'll give our opinion on that game. Uh, but of course, we'll start off, if you can find us on thegameinflators.com, our currently up-to-date website. We're on YouTube, at the Game Deflators on there. You can find us on social media, at Game Deflators on X, and at the Game Deflators on Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. We only have one thread post, but we're on Threads. Uh, you can also find this podcast on the podcast app you're listening to right now and other podcast applications out there. Leave us a five-star review. We'll greatly appreciate it. You know, and actually, if you leave a review, it makes it easier to find the podcast again on the podcast app. So if you ever are worried about losing our podcast, leave a comment. That works, too. Leave a comment everywhere that you're listening. Will, I know you're listening. Leave a comment. If you're, if you're in the bathroom at work, leave a comment on the wall of the bathroom. I don't was know. listening to game deflators i think that's appropriate just put at game deflators just stencil it into the stall or or right on the urinal i mean that works too uh we would uh definitely dude that would be great if i was sitting at like an airport just going to the bathroom and i just look at the urinal it says at game deflators that'd huh, make me my, too that'd make my day <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh we'll start with some recent pickups i actually have games this week what it has been a while since i picked up some games GameStop has their whole like 50% off right now for new titles. Okay. And I, so I was looking, I saw Ayudan Chronicles Rising, which is supposed to be before the 100 heroes or whatever it is that's coming out that I kickstarted a long time ago. Well, uh, GameStop had it for like $17.50, brand new. And of course, you got to pay like 80 bucks, you know, in GameStop to get any free shipping. But I also looked on Amazon, it was like 24 bucks. I was like, okay, so if I get it for 17, then I just pay seven bucks shipping, it comes out to 24 bucks anyways, and I have GameStop you know, points that I can utilize plus my coupon for a month. So I went ahead and used my points and got $15 off, and I also picked up Little Dragon Cafe on top of that. So figured that was a good opportunity to use some points to get a couple games i didn't have i've never heard of little dragon cafe it's dude it's a game that like i've seen for a long time uh it's been on my radar i don't know if it's like a six out of ten maybe seven out of ten type of game as far as reviews are concerned last i checked um and it like another one of those kiwi games no not like an iv to kiwi game because it's on the switch uh but that is what i picked up and then also magic cards because that's what I've been picking up is lots of magic cards. As far as what I'm playing right now, still playing Last of Us Part 2. We got past the aquarium scene. My wife saw Ellie kill the two characters that are in that scene. Um, and then we started playing as Abby and going through that whole process. Playing it again, you know, I, initially when I first started playing, obviously, you know, they... They try to like sympathize Abby for you and get you to like really like her. But the one thing that I've noticed in playing it again is the developers do a really good job of like immersing you into Abby's story and like her world right away that I never just really caught on to initially when I played it. Like from the get go, like you know exactly who she is, what she has going on. Um, you know, obviously you play as her in the very beginning, like a little bit. And then you go and transition to Ellie and then go back to Abby. But I just never did catch on it. Like, as you get into the stadium, as you're, like, listening to her talk and the people that are there, like, you truly feel like you've been playing that character for a long time at that point. Like, you're you're already kind of invested in that character as an individual and, like, what's happening because of what they set the tone with initially and then diving into that world. So, like, you know what's going to happen. You know what has happened. And, you know, even like long term to some of the characters you're interacting with, you know, what's going to happen to those characters, but it's still interesting to kind of dive into their stories and their lives, um, which I just, I don't know, I didn't appreciate it at first and I kind of do now. So it's Last of Us Part 2 is growing on me a bit, but I'll still say it's not as good as number one. Uh, I booted up Tales of Symphonia. When I say booted up, yeah. I pulled the Chronicles collection for PS3, pulled it off my shelf, put it into a system 
and literally fell asleep <laughs> with the screen on. So Tales of Symphonia. So I haven't started it, but that is next on the list. I um, love Tales of Symphonia. This so, would be great. We'll yeah, be well, able to talk about this one. Have you beat this one? Yes. Oh, okay, great. All right. Yeah, cool. this is this is a certified Ryan beat it game. It's got Ryan's uh, seal of approval. I like it. So it's also one of those games that I've beaten and I've restarted at least five or six times, and then never gotten that far. All right, that'll be cool. Yeah, I've dude. This one's been on my list for many, many years. Oh, and so good. Honestly, it, it could have been a uh, future new games resolution. Uh, but I don't have anything going right now. So just Last of Us Part 2, that's one I play with my wife. And then we'll play, she and I will play Mario Wonder together. And then I need kind of my own game. That Tales I of Symphonia's multiplayer. That's true, it is. But that's not one that she would want to play. I mean, it's not like really multiplayer. It's pretend multiplayer. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, multiplayer in um, Nino Kuni with all the multiple little characters in a way. No. Wait, was Nino Kuni multiplayer? No, it's fake multiplayer. You have all these different characters. Like well, no, like animals. so in Tales of Symphonia, you can have another player control character oh, in, in, in battle, battle and but it. only in battle. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah, so it's like an RPG where you only get to do the super repetitive part. <laughs> gotcha. So basically not worth multiplayer. Yeah, not exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then what else I have? Uh, Magic Gathering Arenas. Still playing that. I did hit Mythic a while back. I got my packs for that. Uh, the new set comes out, so we'll see how that kind of affects the meta and go from there. And I booted up. Uh, yeah, did you think you were going to go to that pre-release? Is that something you were you were maybe planning on doing with some people, but but it turns out you can't? Yeah. Yeah, I was planning on doing pre-release, and I looked at the calendar. I'm like, nope, that's not a day I can go. Definitely cannot go to that one. Uh, which sucks because I was hoping it was this Friday. And if it was, it would have gone this Friday. And it just, I don't know, man. Just if I would have looked at the calendar earlier and kind of recognized which day it was. Yeah. I could have theoretically done like drafting a few guys last night but or two nights ago, but that didn't work out. Uh, but arenas. And then the uh, last thing is I booted up Ari's Story of Seasons, I think is what it's called. Um, that one's on the Switch, but I think it's also on via PS4. And it's, I don't know, it's just a little game that I've had for a while. I picked it up for like five bucks not too long ago and figured let's boot it up and see what happens. But I got through maybe five minutes and then the baby woke up. So didn't get any time. Airy and the Secret of Seasons? Secret of Seasons. There you go. Story of Seasons is a totally different game. All right. Your turn, Ryan. So. Oh, sorry. One more thing. The Steam Box. I got my Steam Box. I picked it up when I was out of town on my trip. My uh, brother had it nicely laid on one of his uh, one of his dressers that he has in his room, and I walked in. I'm like, that motherfucker! Like I told him a year and a half ago, hey, can you please find my Steam box and mail it to me? And he never did. He said he couldn't find it. I walked in, and that thing was sitting right on his dresser. I'm like, screw you! I am taking this back with me. Steam Link. Steam Link. It's Steam box. Steam Link. Same deal. All right. Either way, that'll be connected for future gaming for us at some point. And sorry, last thing, I also played a game called Ultimate Chicken Horse while I was out of town. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, I'll tell you really quick because I think you'll appreciate it. You've got a starting point and you have an ending point. And then you have multiplayer up to four players um, will play this. And your goal is to, of course, get from one end to the other. But in the process, you have to set up obstacles. So, like, characters will have the ability to take, uh, like, two-by-fours and lay them out or hockey stick pucks that fly at you, uh, barbed wire, um, black holes, just all these crazy, like swinging wrecking balls, all these things to try and kill you off in the process of going there. So you're basically trying to sabotage everybody else while making your way to the end goal. And uh, that's really the point of it. But you get points for if you're the first one there, if you're the second one there at the end goal. Um, if you die but hit the end goal last minute, it's called postmortem. And then... If you um, if you kill people with traps and somebody makes it to the end as well, you also get points that way too. So there are there is the ability to like basically screw up your opponents and set up all these crazy amount of traps, knowing that like maybe a few people will kind of make it to the end every now and then, and you just build up on your trap kills. So that's always an opportunity there. And then you can like blow up other people's traps and, and just sabotage one another. So it's it's pretty cool. It was a lot of fun um, playing with four players and. You know, at some point I'll get it, and then maybe that's a game that we could try out together, too. I think you'd really enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, now it's your turn. Uh, so I didn't pick up anything this week. That's why it's my turn again. I did play and finish The Darkness. 
during the summer. It wasn't summer. It's summer somewhere, John. It's a round planet. Maybe. Somebody is listening to this during summertime, I hope. Our friends in Australia. Thank you, friends in Australia. So, yeah, it's done. It's dusted. The darkness is under my control. And, you know, it, it was too long of an experience how I waited in between playing it. <laughs> it kind of messed it up a little bit. Uh, I really was happy with it in the beginning. Like, I thought it was like, oh, yeah, this is like classic, like, mob stuff. It's like got that great, like, B-movie video game kind of double-A quality, even though it was maybe, you know, a big-budget game back in the day. I don't, I don't know. But in the end, I just, I don't know. The darkness was fine. It didn't live up to what I had wanted it to be from working at Target and watching like the PS3 pre-roll thing go by while I was at work every day and have a little clips of it and stuff. So it was fine. I I think it was definitely worth playing. I'm glad that I was able to check it out. And, you know, John had me for free 50 on that deal. Uh, but is it a game that I would recommend for other people to play? I don't know. Probably not. It's kind of got some... You did kind of say your opinion was skewed, though, because you had split up so much time in between. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, if I just ran all the way through it, I definitely would have been happier with it. But, like, the thing is, at the end of the day, I really mainlined this game. Like, I did not go to do all the side missions and stuff. Because all the side missions are, like, a collectible phone number that you can call and it does, like a joke line or something like that. Or like occasionally you can get some different outfits for your little guys. I don't know. I also felt like there was a lot of issues where it was like, I couldn't summon darklings for some reason, or I went into an area and things just didn't load properly. So I had to like reload and try something again. Like there were definitely some hiccups in the game and definitely a lot of old, design stylings like it's really trying to seem like it's an open world kind of game before open world kind of games but in that sense it just feels like you're just going to the same like five or six segments of street over and over and over again and if I was doing the side quest like it would have driven me mad having to like get on the subway and watch like a a clip of him in a dark room spinning his guns and say something insane or talking about the cab driver crazy Abdul again for the 800th time. Like there's just a lot of stuff in this game that is definitely of its time and makes sense like loading screens and, you know, trying to imitate that open world, but having to be segmented out instead. I, I think like the story would be fine enough. Like this could actually be a game that I think would be a good candidate for like a total reimagining. Like if the darkness was ever to come back as a game franchise, like don't remaster this game, do just like a new darkness game and use some of the like fundamentals and stuff that, you know, this game did kind of set up. Yeah, because as a whole, the story is actually pretty cool. Like, the yeah. whole concept of, you know, the fiancé dies and you summon this, like, dark power that's been in your family history for generations. And now you control them or somewhat they can kind of control you in a way, too. And they're kind of at your your beck and call. But they're it's goofy. It's funny. Like, there's a lot of other elements to it um, that you're right. It does. It would be in need of, like, some new... You well, know, there was a sequel too. So, like, which I maybe have. the sequel was able to fix, or I mean, not even necessarily fix. Like, I wouldn't even say the things that are wrong with it are they like improve upon. Yeah, are yeah. broken. They're just what gaming was at the time. I'll tell you. Before I popped in Tales of Symphonia, I was actually looking at the Darkness Two on my shelf, thinking, "Yeah, this I remember might, you talking about that. It might be one I want to play right now." But because we're doing Last of Us Two right now. Um, I just didn't want to jump into another shooter style game. Yeah. That was the thing for me. I was like, you know, I looked at several shooters actually. I was looking at Red Faction. I was looking at the new, the newest kill zone, the darkness. And just ultimately I figured let's pop in another RPG. Cause that's the last thing I should be playing. And, but it's one that, you know, 
it's warranted that I do play that one because it has been out for some time and I've had my eye on it for many years. So it figures that that would be a good choice for me. Yeah, Tales of Symphonia is great. I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Um, I also busted out my 3DS this week. I was going to start up Pokemon Platinum hmm. just to have something to play maybe when going on a walk or just for like a few minutes before bed, just something that I can kind of do over time. And I didn't make it very far because I forgot my 3DS has this issue where like the battery's loose in it or something. So if I set it down with too much oomph, it just shuts the whole console off. Is the like cover not tight enough? I don't know what it is. Do you want to borrow a tri-wing? I've got like 20. I've got a tri-wing. Oh, okay. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's an issue that I forgot that I had with my 3DS. So I, uh, I do. It does make me really think about wanting to get a 2DS again. I don't know why I want one of those so bad. I just do. Yeah, I think I, I used my 3DS for one of the games that we played. Was it? Yeah, Luigi's Luigi. Mansion. Yeah, I used that. And I don't know, man. I'm kind of out of the whole handheld thing. It's uh, it's not appealing to me. To oh, I honest. love playing in a handheld. Yeah, I mean, do I want a Vita? Sure. Is this something that I'm going to utilize? Probably not. You know, it's just more of a nice to have than a need to have, mm -hmm. uh, which I mean is gaming in general. Uh, but I don't know, man. Handheld just isn't doing it for me nowadays. So. That's where I am with it. Yeah, I mean, I love handheld gaming. Yeah. Probably more than console gaming at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've always kind of leaned that, that way, too, with uh, with handhelds. Okay. Well, that battery, man, maybe pop it open and put in, like, I don't know, get some Just electric... a piece of paper or something. Or, like, a few things of electrical tape. Like yeah. Just kind of slap it on there until it gets to where it's tight. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what it is. Or maybe something else is loose in a console and it's messed up in general. Yeah, could be. Yeah. I mean, it is like a launch 3DS that I got... So it's oh, been it's around a long time. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. One of those ones that looks like a McDonald's toy because it's got three different colors of plastic on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've got the new 3ES or 3ES XL. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, mine's a little different. All right. Well, let's uh, dive into a discussion topic. Uh, Re-releases just in general, right? Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. You've got the Metal Gear Solid uh, remasters That's or what, whatever yeah, that are coming out. Yeah, kind of inspired this. So Yeah, we got the Silent Hill remake. But obviously, there was a re-release of 2 and 3 that came out years ago on PS3. Um, we've seen situations where a lot of these re-releases come in and it's, you know, hey, there's one game on here and you got to download the other three, which I think is the case of Spyro or Crash, if I recall. Uh, they're not polished all the way or, you know, you just, you have to download things, right? Like, it's, it's almost like a, you know, I don't want to say download necessary because games nowadays download is necessary. But download necessary in the sense of they call it out on, on the, the box. Cart. Yeah, it's not on the cart. You have to. You're literally just buying the box. Yeah. So it's like there's no there's no real game preservation occurring because you're still subject to the servers being up. But like this new Metal Gear collection, I mean, I was really excited for this. I've always really wanted to play and get into the Metal Gear games, and it's got both of the what is it like SNES ones. And then one, two, and three, or is it just one and two? I think it's one, two, and three. Uh, I don't remember. And then it's got. I think it is one. I think it's just one and two, isn't it? I don't know. And then three is getting the whole remake deal. Oh, that's true. That's true. Metal Gear Delta. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they have a lot of that stuff. Is just not on the card. I mean, they also have a bunch of other stuff in there too, like some bonus things, which is kind of cool. And I like when you do like a package deal for a game where you do have like maybe some stuff about the history or, you know, some uh, digital art books or, or well, things the, like that. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one, that collection, the Kalabunga collection, yeah. actually, it's got really cool things of history and artwork of the comic books and, and like videos and stuff that you can get, you know, within the actual game along with what you're playing. So I think that was one of those like re-releases that was done right you know, in terms of uh, preservation in a sense and, you know, everything else that you're getting from it. Yeah, so it's got Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake, Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. So it has all of those. Um, as well as the VR missions for Metal Gear Solid. Um, 
Well, so a, it's got it's got a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got some extra stuff in there. But yeah, the fact that most of that doesn't come on the card is kind of like, all right, well, that's, you know, you could have just paid for a larger cult cart and we could have this like fully preserved moving forward without having the issues. And then again, like the games aren't like touched up in a way where you would think like, okay, like, can we get 60 FPS out of this 1080p or, you know, whatever the case may be, 4K? I don't know what it is. But like, they didn't. And, you know, Konami's not the best example of this. Like, obviously, Konami's going to pretty much cheap out every chance they can get. But when you look at, you know, what was the one we were talking about earlier? Uh, the NES Remix? Yeah. Like, that's a cool way to do a collection of games and re-release them is to, like, totally take those games and make it funky and, you know, do something different with it. Obviously, like, there's a huge difference between those types of games and, like, the Metal Gear Solid games. Like, you wouldn't do a Metal Gear Solid remix. That wouldn't make any sense. But to at least be able to go back and, like, I don't know if they could add if they have achievements or something added in i haven't really heard anybody talk about this on like xbox or playstation i'm sure they have achievements and trophies because nowadays it's almost a given yeah you're gonna have that within your so that's probably in there then i mean i guess i can confirm it if i look it up but i I don't know i just think that a lot of the times when they're trying to do these re-releases or like bundle packs like this we have so much hope like um the new re-release for uh, Mario RPG and the Legend of the Seven Stars. Like, that's got a bunch of changes in it, like, where they have, like, whole new, like, triple attack, team attack powers. I think they've gone back and, like, changed some of the names and stuff. Like, some people aren't as happy about the art update and think that the art looked better in the original than this one. Like, not literally better, but just... Some of the jankiness they wish had translated over more so. So there's like a lot of things that happen when you're trying to bring an old product to a new audience, but also make that old audience still happy with it. I feel like for the most part, you know, a lot of game companies just don't do it the way fans really would like or hope. Like the... Tales of Symphonia got the remake on Switch or the re-release on like modern consoles. And it's just like, doesn't even have like 60 frames per second. And it has like issues. Like these are already solved problems. Why are there new problems being added? Because it's cheaper for them. I mean, you already kind of set up Konami, right? It's a cost conscious aspect of, you know, we can, we can re-release this game with very minimal to no effort whatsoever to redo anything other than maybe plugging in achievements, right? And let's get it launched, right? And we're going to make however many sales because the bulk of the work has already been done. So, you know, whatever at that point. But the problem is, is, you know, there's two problems. Like you have consumers that are going to lose faith in your organization because you continue to put out a bad product, but then you're still going to have people that are going to buy the product brand new and support it and say, oh, it's okay. It's it's all right as is. And we see that Pokemon, right? Yeah. We see, you know, and, and it's not kind of the same topic, but, you know, we see Scarlet and was it Violet? Was there one? We see those get released and all the jankiness and things that are in that and clearly look like PlayStation 2 games on the Switch, which is supposed to be a modern console by all means. And people are okay with that because they're like, oh, well, it's Pokemon. Like, it's to be expected. Like, no, like kind of show them, you know, with your wallet that that's not okay. And that's the problem, man, is that we continue to buy into these things. And this Metal Gear Solid set, it's probably going to sell like gangbusters. And, you know, Konami's going to say, all right, that was okay. We made decent money on that for games that we've already developed. They're already good to go. It didn't cost us much, and we made X amount of revenue. Let's Mm -hmm. do it again with this other great series that's out there and not do a damn thing to fix it or support it in a greater nature than what it already is yeah and i mean not everything needs to be totally redone from the ground up like we don't need a whole remake we need touch of ups. every game but especially if you're going to go through the effort of putting multiple titles together to make it more accessible like making it actually more accessible over the long term should be a priority 
and making sure that they're up to snuff. Like if you're not going to add a bunch of stuff or do a full remake, the least you can do is the best job you can with what you've got. Which I think it kind of brings up Spyro and Crash again, right? Like those games are actually very good for what mm-hmm. they did, you know, in, in the re I have both of those actually. Yeah. And they're both very good. They're, you know, updated graphics and um, they look clean. They play just like very true to the original. Uh, Crash is still as hard as it was back then. And <laughs> yeah, I think in, in, in some ways it's a little harder because it doesn't have the jankiness to it um, because it's so polished. So, you know, there's companies that are doing it right and there's companies that are just doing it as a cash grab. And I feel like this is one of those situations where it's probably a cash grab. Yeah. So, Well, moving on from there this week, in the news, we're going to be taking a look. Phil Spencer makes sure his employees keep their most important benefits. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bungie lays off, layoffs have hit. And uh, finally, the day before thinks they have the perfect way to balance work and play. Before we get on that, was that that really crappy game that we looked at that was like this empty landscape and it was just like... The one that hasn't come out? The yeah. The one that had all the drama with like the name change because yeah, it's that one. It's oh, back. It's back. Okay. I remember we talked about a long time ago and we were like, yeah, we'll revisit this when more info is out and well, it's out. Yep. All right. Well, our first article here uh, that we're going to talk about is Xbox Phil Spencer uh, is hailed and goaded for reversing Microsoft's plan to take away its employees free Game Pass subscription. So that's the, uh, you know, important benefit Ryan is talking about. And that's a uh, Jordan Gerblick at Games Radar. Uh, so I think this is actually pretty smart. Um, you know, Microsoft was, they have like what, 280,000 employees is what it's noted there, uh, who all have the benefit of free game pass, which, you know, is a pretty cool benefit when you work for a company as big as Microsoft with like what, three or $4 trillion market capital. Um, and so ultimately they were going to phase that out and Phil Spencer apparently got wind of it and decided to kind of step up and get that reversed. My main, I mean, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time here. Uh, I think the big thing to kind of note here is a disconnection between like Microsoft corporate and their benefits and the Xbox division and what they're trying to accomplish. And I was telling you before we recorded, like your employees are your biggest advocate for your products. Like my company is the same deal. They give us the benefit that we have is a badass benefit. And the reason we have it is because we could talk it up to our friends and family and we could talk it up to other individuals who we know because we actively use that benefit. Same deal with Game Pass. If you're actively using that benefit, you're going to talk it up. You're going to hype it up for all these friends and family and random people that you meet. Say, oh, I work at Microsoft and I've got Game Pass. And yeah, it's badass. It's you know free to me. But for you at $10, you have access to all these crazy games. That's, that's something that's necessary. Like I get that it's a lot of employees, but not everybody's using those accounts. And maybe somebody or maybe a lot of them are, you know, oh, well, hey, I'll share my password or whatever it is. There's password crackdown nowadays, like ways that you can avoid that with IP addresses and other things. So, yeah. you know, if that's an issue, Microsoft can kind of treat it at that point, which in general, they probably should anyways, if they don't have, if they're doing password sharing, similar to like Netflix. Um, or, you know, it sounded to me like in this article uh, that it said that people would be keeping that benefit, Right. There was a bit in that article where it sounded like new employees coming in won't be getting free Game Pass, though. Mm. That's kind of what it sounded like to me. So it's they're not going to rip it away for existing. Like if you have existing Game Pass benefits, it's not getting taken away, right? But if you're new coming in, you might not get that benefit. Yeah. And then over time, that'll, of course, phase out. But you're still going to have people are 10, 15 years from now with the Game Pass benefit, obviously. Yeah, I mean... I, I think it makes sense to me. You're a game company. You want your employees to be able to, you know, access the games that they've worked on, maybe, you know, be able to look at what other teams have been doing and have no barrier to that. So, I mean, it makes sense that everybody should have that as like a an easy benefit, especially because it doesn't cost them anything. Long term, 280,000 employees at $10 a piece is what, $2.8 million? Is that, is that really, but yeah, but it's their product. Like it's a fake product. Like it no, doesn't I know. cost them anything to have that switch. I know I'm, a, I'm agreeing with you. Like yeah. 2.8 million to Microsoft is a drop in the bucket, dude. Like that's not a whole lot of money for that company. Well, and even if you turn it off like 280,000, let's say 50,000 of those people sign up for game pass. Like you're not making a much off of that. No, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, 
it's a cool thing for those employees that they get to keep that. But I'm sure with everything going on in the game industry, those people probably would prefer to have like an extra $30 a month in their paycheck or something instead of having to just get free game pass for those, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who work there who probably don't use it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, you know, and maybe it's an option, right? Maybe it's as you're, you know, do you want $10 a month extra to go in your 401k or do you want Game Pass? Like, I'm just saying, like, yeah. if you give people the option to say, here's what you can get, here's what you can't get as part of your perks of working here. Maybe it's, you know, you get free, I don't know, Microsoft 365 for your family or something like that. Like, yeah. that's your perk. Um, you know, I, I think giving people a choice makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I think long term, like, this is the right move. Like, why would you not want your employees to have access to that and talk about it? It's free advertising. Not free advertising, but in a way it is, right? Because like you said, it's just literally a flick of the switch. Yeah, because I mean, otherwise the article reads, you know, Microsoft takes away Game Pass access to over 250,000 players. That too. (laughs) That's actually just negative press in general. So we have a company that's already struggling to, uh, you know, kind of break through. Not not struggling, but in a sense struggling to kind of break through. They're trying to prop their whole business model up off a Game Pass at this point. They don't have the subscribership to really back that up at this point yet. You, You definitely need these people talking about it. All right. Well, the next thing here, talking about benefits uh, disappearing, is uh, (laughs) what a terrible transition. Bungie tells Destiny fans, we know we have lost a lot of your trust amid layoffs and delays. And this is Michael McWhorter at Polygon. You kick it off. Yeah. So big round of layoffs at Bungie this week. And not just, you know, anybody, but like some senior employees like the composer who's done like all the music and stuff for destiny and has been there for like over 10 years at this point i mean when you lay off a giant chunk of your work staff and you know some of those people are very you know integral to the identity of the brand that you have it's definitely going to make people nervous moving forward and trying to see you know what is next like especially when you have your finale planned out for this giant decade long series, you know, you really need to be on point. Well, and you know, on top of that, they're releasing marathon, right? It's like this nineties game. out. I am not super familiar with it, but it's a remake of this nineties shooter. Um, really extraction shooters, what they well, called it. It's a, it's like a new take on it. They're, they're turning marathon, which was like a, I don't know, old school, like CRPG into, or computer shooter into now like an extraction shooter. Yeah. So they're remaking that in a sense or doing their own kind of take on it, as you had mentioned. And you kind of need a lot of staff for that, right? And, and you need to have those people that are, like you said, integral to the company that have been there a while. Yeah, you know, it just, it seems like an odd time too, with the whole finale thing for Destiny 2. Like, why would you lay them off now? Why wouldn't you wait until well this is over? Yeah, until it's over, especially now if you're going to have to delay yeah. that product out and people already are waning with it. You know, you've got lower player counts than ever before. I mean, we've been just inundated with news this year of just layoffs and layoffs and layoffs. And Bungie tries hard to culture or foster a good culture and, you know, try to have that mentality of being you know, a company that's, you know, more for its employees. Like when they got bought out by Sony, there was like a huge amount of money that they overpaid for employee retention. And now those employees are gone, you know? So it's like a huge shift in the company culture. And I'm sure nobody's really happy about it. And then the CEO is out there tweeting like, oh, you know, all these great people lost their jobs. I definitely recommend you hire them. You just fire these people. Don't don't just start throwing out Twitter recommendations for them to get jobs. <laughs> like it's going to happen that easy. Like, look, man, this is not your place anymore. You already did the bad part. Let other people cover it from here. Well, I, I can kind of see what they're doing there. They're trying to have like some sort of like goodwill come out of it of, you know, hey, you know, we... We had to. We didn't have a choice. You know, this is why we got rid of them. You know, they're great employees. Go ahead and hire them. And it's like, well, if they're such, like you said, they're such great employees. And I don't know, maybe 
boost the price up of something or maybe cut down on other expenses. Take a pay to, cut yourself. Yeah, take a pay cut yourself, right? Like, there's maybe other you don't things. need millions of more dollars. Yeah, there's other things that can be done to support your developers and ensure that you're going to have like long-term success. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's just the world of gaming apparently nowadays. You, you work on a game for however many years, you compose them, and then you get fired. So. Well, and like I've heard people talking about, you know, Sony purchased Bungie because they were these experts on live service titles. Well, I mean, they're not doing so hot now. Yeah. So like, was it worth all the money? Are they expertly helping you launch other, you know, live service games? Like, I think we've all kind of come to grips at this point that we have enough to do in our lives and we can't all support three or four live service games full time you know you basically pick your one game play it for a while and then give up and i mean especially with a game like destiny i mean going on for 10 years now i mean i never played destiny 2 but my friends did and you know having a friend who plays all the time and is like hey man the new expansion is coming out like why don't we jump on this together again like, those are the kind of people who pull people back in. But, like, after 10 years, like, I got to imagine most of those people have fallen off and you don't have that, you know, goodwill internally from your players because they're not happy with the state of the game and where it's at. Like, I hear people talk all the time that, like, the uh, like actual competitive mode in it is not great. Like, I know when I stopped playing Destiny 1... I mean, the game's changed so much from then, and you can't just jump in. Like, there's sunset content and things that are only available online and portions of the game that aren't even accessible anymore. And you still have to buy all the DLC to, like, get caught up. And it's just like, at this point, it just doesn't even make sense. Like, once this game closes out, the number of people that are probably just going to fall off and not give a shit about what comes next... It's probably going to be pretty big. And at that point, like, just make a new game. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And then you have so much competition now in the market with, like, free versions of Call of Duty, Apex Legends. You've got, uh, what's the game I don't like? Um, the Kid Shooter. You're going to know right off the bat. God, Fortnite? Fortnite. There you go. Jeez, that's so how much I don't like it. Uh, you've got Fortnite. You've, I mean, kids are playing Minecraft nowadays, right? So, <laughs> kids you know, are always playing kids Minecraft. Kids are always playing Minecraft. But, like, adults are playing Minecraft, too. You've got all these other options available to you. Why would you continue to just stick? Like you said, there's just so many there. And some of them are free. So, yeah. jumping into Destiny makes no sense. And, then, like, they're working on Marathon, right? Like, that's, of course, going to be some sort of, like, live service game that they're going to have. Um, and there's, and there's more live service games coming out too. Like we're going to be talking about, you know, the day before, you know, I'm not saying it's live service, but like that's an MMO style game. And, um, you know, people are going to transition to other games that are coming out like that. So yeah, it just seems like, uh, there's a lot of saturation in the market. There's way too many options and it's not worth what it used to be to have a live service game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's dive into that, man. So the day before beta only available to those who volunteer for developer fantastic, which I thought it was a, a typo by Ryan, but no, it's uh, literally not a typo. They just don't know how to spell fantastic. <laughs> um, and this is Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. So volunteer it's, it's two ways to volunteer for his beta. You could be a volunteer and be beta testing as an employee, which well, I, that makes zero sense to me as why you would beta test for free and volunteer as an employee. You should get paid for that work. And then the other volunteer is other people who are out there who want to assist with the creativity and, you know, the culture of the community and all these other things. So basically just asking for free help is what it is at the end of the day yeah. um, for this beta test. And, you know, I mean, say what it is, right? We're, we want work for free. And we're going to allow you access to our game, which has had all of this controversy for the longest time. Uh, and we want you to do it for free. But we're going to let you play it in its beta form. Yeah. At least it's not alpha. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wonky when it's like, all right, how about you work to play? And it's not even like some crypto scam game where you could potentially make some money if you weren't already you know, the lowest fish in the pool. But like, yeah, here it's just like they're trying to push this narrative still like they're actually making a game that's actually going to come out 
and they want you to like help moderate their community and stuff as payment to be able to test out whatever janky thing they've cobbled together. And who are these people? Like we still don't know enough about them to like have any credibility to any of these claims other than like the few little trailer things that we've gotten and then all the speculation and then all the controversy, like no matter how good this game comes out, it will never be able to outlive the controversy that was involved in the making of it. And it obviously never will because it's just a fake scam. I don't know, man. I mean, it looked from the trailer that was on there that we were provided looked okay. And, you know, when I see something like Fallout 76, right, and the uh, the old bag that people received and all the craziness around there and how buggy it was, and now it's got a pretty good community overall. So, you know, Canvas... Yeah, but that was made by Bethesda, which is an actual studio that has produced actual janky games that we know about the level of quality to expect from. Yeah, the bag was different. I don't think everybody expected that. Nobody was prepared for no, the bag. Nobody was prepared for the bag. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was bad. So I would give them, I don't want to say I'd give them a chance, but if there is a demo available for the game, which they obviously would not do this because they're going to try and take everybody's money while they can. If there was a demo available for the game or an open beta where you could test this out, I think it might be worth it to see, like, okay, what is this all about? And maybe if there is an open beta, maybe we download it on Steam and we can play it and talk about it ourselves from that that perspective. But, yeah, it's just so fishy in general. Everything that's come around from this has been extremely fishy, and I just can't wait to see how it's either super successful in the most badass MMO we've ever played in a post-apocalyptic future town or future city, I think is what they called it, on the East Coast, or it just blows up and turns into the biggest shit storm in gaming we've seen in some time. Yeah, I I can't wait to see somebody leak something or post something about this because like I got to imagine they're trying to get this hype out there and try to say okay, you know, we can let people play the game, but they got to be people that we trust that won't go telling everybody that it's not a real game and that it sucks. So it's like they got to get people that are willing to play by those rules. And that's how they're going to like try to handpick, get information out there. Because like somebody's definitely going to volunteer and then just post everything. We should volunteer and just not, if they're like, hey, can you code this? Yeah, sure. I can code it. That's it. John, I'm glad you volunteered for this. I volunteered. Fantastic. Contact me. (laughs) We volunteered. We're being voluntold to work on this. Well, if you have any opinion on this game, if you uh, if you have volunteered, and I will do in quotations, if you have volunteered uh, for this title, let us know in the comments. Definitely would like to learn more about this. Yeah, for sure. All right. Inflation Deflation. Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Developed by Nintendo EPD. I didn't know what the hell that was because you put an acronym. Uh, published by Nintendo. It was directed by Shiro Mori. It was released in October of 2023, so just uh, about a week ago. And it is a platformer. Reception right now is about a 9, but it does have a few 10s floating around there with different companies. Uh, Did you want to do synopsis? Yeah, so in this game, Mario and the gang are invited to the neighboring Flower Kingdom. Uh, Bowser, of course, being the rascal that he is, decides to come in and steal the Wonder Flower from Prince Florian, fusing himself with the castle and then causing mayhem across the kingdom. So it's up to Mario and his friends to once again stop the evil castle Bowser by going one level at a time. Exactly. And collecting coins. Exactly what Ryan said. Uh, And collecting uh, those seeds, too. Yeah, if collecting coins and seeds is the best way to stop Bowser, I think we need to get the banks. All the banks, both the monetary banks and the sperm banks involved (laughs) to tank down Bowser with their mighty coin and seed. Oh, I just don't want to know how the sperm banks are involved. (laughs) Seed. Oh, oh, spreading seed on Bowser. I get it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of gross. Yeah. We took a turn there. Yeah. That, that was Ryan. That was all Ryan. Um, all right, let, let's dive into it. So we played, I don't know, like eight levels. We didn't get to a castle, but we played a few levels. First, We did Mario stuff with Elephant Mario. And Flower Mario. And Flower Mario. And Is it Flower Mario? It's Fire Mario. Fire Mario, yeah. But why, doesn't, a, why doesn't he throw flowers? 
because that would be uh, allergy Mario. That would be 1970s Mario. He makes you sneeze to death. <laughs> Peace signs and flowering flowers. Um, so from the get go, I'm just gonna say this game is easy. It is extremely easy. I've heard that it's harder than other Mario games. I mean, we only did like the very first levels, which are meant to be the easy ones. I, I have played a number of Mario games, and there are games where the first few levels they're not difficult, but there's a little more challenge to it. We literally like just blaze through these like first levels, no issue whatsoever, at all. I mean, the only issues were like self-created. We're like, oh well, let's try and get such yeah. and such an item, and let's kind of coax over this rhino to come and hit this giant set of blocks. And I think Barry told us too that he had an easy, like it was easy. It was a quick game for him mm-hmm. as well, um, which makes sense. I mean, it's a kid's game in general. It's Mario. Yeah, it's Mario. It's supposed to be quick. Supposed I mean, to be it's fun. not Kirby. No, that's even worse. Um, except that one we played, that was difficult. Mm. Yeah, I did not like that one. The Rainbow Curse one. Mm. Yeah, not a fun game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was super easy in what we played. We kind of blazed through it. Honestly, like we, you and I probably could have gone through like two worlds, no issue in the span of like 30 minutes if we really wanted to, by just yeah. blazing through it. But my wife wants to play it and obviously she was watching and I'm not going to play a whole bunch of levels without her because she and I will beat it in a week or a weekend, I think. Um, but yeah, so that was my first initial impression. I do like the graphics on this still hold up nicely. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, it definitely looks good. Um, I think the coins, like I, I get it with the coins and why you have them and you collect them, you get lives from X amount of coins, et cetera, et cetera. I think it, you can spin the purple coins on stuff though. It just feels like too much. Like too many like coins everywhere. Like come on, it's like, a Mario game. I get it, but it's just like it always feels so useless to have like hundreds of coins floating around. Yeah, but it's I mean that's what you do. I get it. I know. I know. It's a legacy thing. I I suppose, but there's just a lot of coins. Um, but I did think like the mix of enemies was great. I did I did like the different enemies that we experienced right off the bat. Um, there are some interesting, like the, I think it was hippos that we saw where they kind of like roll and you can bounce on them and do different things. Um, there's of course different parts of the game, like obstacles, like there's a, I forget what the creature was, but it was like shooting walnuts at us or something. And as it hit one of the pillars or one of the like sections, it would have allowed us to get a wonderful on the, uh, on the flag. And I was like, ah, crap, like we're going to miss that because it broke one because we weren't fast enough. So there's a really cool mix of things like that, different elements within the levels that um, are different. And then, of course, the Wonder Flowers, when you get those and it turns into like this trippy type of scene where we had one level where stars are raining from the sky and you collect them and just blaze through the level, which was, you know, was it easy? Yes. Was it fun? Actually, yeah, it was a lot of fun to have the different colors and the vibrant aspects of that coming out. The star music hitting, just blazing through this level of star power was I thought it was pretty cool yeah. to do that. So uh, overall impression, I, I like it. You know, I'll, I'll obviously continue to play and I, I paid full price and, um, you know, it because I thought I was going to like it. And I think in the little bit of time that we played, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think getting the different badges and starting to see more of the game will definitely open it up and, and give it a lot more, a lot more depth. Yeah, a lot more depth, probably a lot more replayability because... You know, you'll be able to go back and do levels differently in different ways at different times, probably. Um, this is a game I'm really excited to see speed runs of. Like, I can't wait to see this at an AGDQ and see, like, what badges they need to use on what levels to get the best times and stuff. Like, I think that'll be really fun. Uh, I think this is probably going to have long legs and a long legacy behind it. And, I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen a new, like... 2d mario game so who knows how long this one needs to hold out for or if they've just got a zillion new ideas and they're ready to go yeah i mean we had new super mario bros obviously and then it was new super mario bros u and then that new super mario bros u pretty much turned into what we have today on the switch right just Mm -hmm. given the failures of the of the wii u so yeah, I mean, you're right. It's been quite a while since we had like a differentiated Mario platformer, 2D style platformer that's come out. And it's exciting, man, to kind of revisit that in a way because we haven't had that opportunity in some time. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's go into brass tacks on this one. 
So complete in box right now is 49.64. It peaked at, well, it's still peaked uh, and it will be peaked for quite some time. Uh, price is of course holding right now and in a loose copy can run you 45.01 uh, but it's currently at its peak and then it is also holding. Uh, digital console price is 59.99. So brand new, it's gonna be 59.99. Uh, there are places you can get discounts if you look around. Um, I forget the name of the website, but there's uh, a certain website, if you look it up, where when you make your first purchase, you can get $20 off a new item. So oh, wow. people have been picking this game up for like $40 free shipping. Um, Am GameStop obviously has sales. I don't. This one's obviously not going to be applicable for the 50% off sale. But, you know, GameStop occasionally has sales on used titles, um, Best Buy and all those other places. After a while, this might drop like 10 bucks. So... You know, if you're if you're holding out thinking there's gonna be some great price, honestly, complete in box used at fifty bucks or down the road new for fifty bucks is about what you're gonna be hitting for some time here. So as far as is it worth it, is it not? Um, I don't think that we played enough to give like a general, you know, nine out of ten game. reception, but it's you're right, it's a Mario game. We've seen enough in, in terms of like the elephant and some of the new powers and the colors and everything else going on with it that I would say it's worth the pickup. I mean, it's a new Mario game. It's never going to go down in price. It will in like 10 years. <laughs> it's always going to be Mario game expensive. Like you might as well just pick it up so that you can enjoy it and know what everybody's talking about. I would definitely say, and I'm not even the biggest Mario guy. I guess it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's worth it. So, not inflated, not deflated. It's it's just, just right. right. Just right. So, uh, we are going to play next week. We're actually going to play a nice classic title in Top Gear for the Super Nintendo. So, catch episode 260 next week where we play that game. Uh, Ryan, any closing thoughts before we hop? No. No. All right. Well, this has been episode 259 of the Game Inflators podcast. My name is John. And I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Why'd you pause there? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> All right. We're, yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye.